minimalists. <laughs> Howdy, what's your name? Where are you from? Hi, I'm Cindy, and I'm from Indianapolis. Well, thanks for making the drive down, Sydney. Thank you. Thank you for being here. So close. I love it. My question is about donations. We talk about donating our time and our money a lot. But I'm talking about donating stuff. Yeah. I strongly believe in giving back to directly to your community so that they can give back to the people who need it for free instead of paying $6.99, $7.99, whatever it is. I really feel strongly about that. And I have a lot of friends that they ask, well, how do you know where to donate all this stuff so it actually gives back directly to your community? So my question is to you is, have you ever or have you ever considered doing a podcast about donations, about giving back to pet shelters or women's shelters or that sort of thing? Because I think it would really benefit a lot of people. Yeah, there's actually a great website to go to called donationtown.org. And the reason this topic is, is so difficult is it's so regionally specific. So uh, I can tell you in Missoula, Montana, there's a place called the Donation Warehouse, and they accept all kinds of different stuff. Um, and, and, and they will repurpose it quite often for free or relatively inexpensive, and they're a nonprofit. And so there are nonprofits in, in different areas, whether they are women's shelters, there are free stores, and there are also just second-hand stores that resell things at a relatively inexpensive cost. There are also nonprofit second-hand stores. And now there are, with technology, there are a lot of websites and apps that allow us to have access to uh, free cycling so that when you're done with an item, you can basically put it in a, a giant storage locker, so to speak, and uh, someone else will have access to that item when they need it. It just seems like the knowledge isn't there, though. There's just a lot of people who have a lot of questions on how to do that. And I didn't know that with your, your platform, if that's something that you could touch on in a podcast or something that so people would think outside the box instead of driving down the street to that big box sure. store where they mm. drop off, where they would think about women's shelters or places that they go a couple streets over to donate to. Yeah, it's, Just it's in general, not specific places, but... I think it's a great topic that, uh, you know, so each of our podcast episodes tends to revolve around a particular topic when we do it in the studio, and so I think it's a good topic for yeah, us. Yeah, thanks to, for the idea. I think it's future. wonderful. You're welcome. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Howdy, what's your name? Where are you from? Hi, my name's Amber. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Well, thanks. Are, did you come down from Pittsburgh? Um, yes, we drove. We're on a little field, a uh, little road trip, me and my uh, best friend from high school, actually. All the way down I-71. Yes, we did take I-71. You're correct. <laughs> You can't um, speed on I-71 at no. all. No, no, no. You go, you go Columbus to Cincinnati, and you're guaranteed to get a ticket. Yeah. So I also want to say real quick that I have watched your documentary a ton of times, just like the other woman said, and I love it so much. It just always Thanks. motivates me to do something, so I love it. Thank um, you. Okay, so my question... So as minimalists, you guys talk a lot about doing what you love, right? Which I appreciate because I try to do that. I try to live that way. And right now, but so this topic right now is finances. So like being responsible with your money. So right now I have a little bit of extra money, right? Like sitting in my bank account. And I was planning on doing something very responsible with it, like putting it towards my student loans or uh, paying an extra payment on my car or something like that. And then one of my friends brought up a trip and traveling and taking trips is kind of uh, something that brings me like great joy that I love to do. So I immediately was like, well, forget that, but I'm just going to take my trip. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I think I'm going to do it no matter what, but I'm curious as to what your advice would be. <laughs> uh, I'm just curious as to 
as to what your thoughts are on that. Like doing something that you she's absolutely like, love versus. She wants us to talk her out of it. That's what yeah. she's really asking. <laughs> no. right, versus right. being responsible and putting it towards something that it's might not your money. In the it's not your money. You owe the money. You owe it on your car. You owe it on your student loans. You borrowed someone else's money, and that's okay. We've already talked about it. We've all made some money mistakes. But right now, I, the way that I got out of debt is I stopped looking at my extra money. You would have extra money if you weren't in debt, but you actually don't have extra money. Because here's the thing. Would you do the opposite? Let's say, let, let's just hypothetically, for the sake of easy math here, let's I say love you... I we're having a conversation right now. I love you guys so much. I can't... <laughs> well, let's, let's say you had $25,000 worth of student loan debt. Okay. And you had $25,000 in the bank. That's $25,000 extra money. I feel pretty good about having $25,000. But would you do the opposite? Let's say you didn't have any student loans, but you had no extra money in the bank. Would you go to the bank and say, hey, can you give me $25,000 so I can just go like put this in my bank account? I need some extra money. No, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't feel good about that. What you'd feel good about is, is getting out of debt. And then once you're out of debt, man, that road trip is going to feel so much better. I used to really get caught up in situations like that where I would have a little extra cash and I'm like, man, I should do something responsible, but I'm going to do this because I deserve it. And what I deserve is to not focus on my adult responsibilities. I have worked so hard and I've done so much and now that I have this opportunity, I'm going to do this thing that I really feel like I deserve. It's really easy to get caught up into that mentality. What I'll tell you is that your future self does not deserve the interest that you're going to force yourself to pay. Your, your, your future self deserves you to make responsible decisions today. <laughs> That's pithy. Chris? Well, I, you know, I, I want you to, to do the work now so you can really enjoy it later. I think the trip that you all could take, you could do it on a different level that it wouldn't require a lot of money. So we naturally associate it. But I think grown-ups have to be adult enough to know the difference between a want and a need. And what I want you to do is really look and really start to think in the future. It's okay to have some fun, but let's take care of business right now. Right? How old are you? 27. I'll be 28 in like a month. Okay. 20, 28 years old. You don't want this debt hanging around with another 10 or 12 years. Sure. Right? Right. You want to make some decisions. So make the trip from Pittsburgh, like go to Washington, PA. Or go a place. I, I used to live up there. It's, it's like 20 minutes away, right? You could take some road trips. You could do some staycations. You know what a staycation is? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Because you know what a vacation means? Not working, right? We automatically associate a place with it. No, vacation means not working. So you can do that sitting at home. So find joy in smaller things, but let's take care of business. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so Thank much. Thank you. That was pithy. That was good, man. We're going to try to knock out all three of these questions. Uh, we will do our best to get to them. I'm already eight minutes over, but that's okay, if it's okay with you. All right. All right. All right. Sweet. Howdy. Remind me of your name, brother. Ross. Ross. That's right. Nashville. Um, I'll be quick. So my wife reads a lot of books, and she brought this quote up to me, and I won't tell it where it's from, but love to hear your opinions and feedback on the quote that says, financial freedom means not having to work for money. 
I'd love to hear your feedback on that. Yeah, it sounds to me like like, like that is a a. It's what do we call them? Like a faux fundity? Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's a faux profound. It's like thing. it sounds really profound, but that I mean to me that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, because even even when you have have you know compound interest or you have uh, um, if you you have assets that that build up you know that, that they appreciate over time, you had to do some sort of work to get that ideally. I mean, there are obvious exceptions if you inherited something, but most of us don't, don't, don't fall into that category. And so you had to do something in order to get some sort of work in order for the asset to work for you. Yeah, I, I totally, under, I do understand the concept behind it. Like if I had, uh, you know, $4 million sitting in the bank um, I could probably invest uh, in in some you know stocks that pay dividends, or uh, I could just park it in a savings account and and make two percent off of that four million dollars, and that would probably be enough uh, to get to get by on. Um, but if <laughs> but here's the thing though, if I had four million dollars, I I worked really hard to get to that point. I wouldn't want to just sit on it and do nothing with it. Like I, I, I would want to be able to uh, to get to that part of my life where it's not the have to, it's it's the get to. I think that is where financial freedom comes into play. And I think that's what I was really going after is from a minimalist standpoint, really reducing everything that you have that's your expenses, that's really pushing you to drive to having to work for that extra dollar, right? Ah. That extra six-figure salary, that sure. extra whatever it may be, is is really... Um, from from what I see from that commentary is is really the driving factor for because same concept I mean same same history behind what you guys do is what we do um, that's kind of what pushes me a little bit and when you talk about retirement it's you talk about a number it's, it's not a number right it's a it, it or it is a number it's not an age right and what is that number right that number really becomes this thing where you don't really have to work for money so much. It's you're working because you want to work for something. You want to donate. You want to be a part of something bigger, something more. And whether it's fifty thousand dollars a year, or sixty thousand dollars a year, or one hundred twenty thousand dollars, it doesn't really matter, right? right. It's yeah, about I, how you drive that down. I think. I think. Uh, so, if I, the way I were to, to rephrase that in a way that, that made sense to me is that maybe financial freedom is a is a mindset, right? I, when I walked away from the corporate world and I was making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, I went down to $23,000 a year. And I was more financially free that year because of the no debt. And oh, by the way, the better spending habits. No, I wasn't living like a rich person, but I wasn't rich before anyway. I was fake rich. Exactly right. You know, so many people are living fake rich that I tell them, if you keep that up too long, you can end up retiring real broke. Uh, the thing that I heard about what you were asking is options. You know, the opportunity to know the number. And guys, we've talked so much about knowing your number, 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 number. I want to give your listeners a tool. Um, I developed a tool. It's called the RIQ, the Retire Inspired Quotient. It's a free tool at my website. You can go to chrishogan360.com and plug in a few data points. It starts off with how much do you want to live on per month and how many years you plan to retire and how much you have saved. It will show you your big number. It will show you that number you need to be able to retire. I love the tool because it takes it a step further. It doesn't just show you the big number. It shows you how much you need to be investing right now to get there. So again, free tool allows you to really look and for those of you that are concerned about your parents or grandparents or your siblings are they on track it's a cool tool to share with them as well 
It really is, man. Let me ask you, when, so when I was uh, first started working in the corporate world, my whole thought was, one day I'm going to be a millionaire. And I thought, man, when I'm a millionaire, that's when I can actually do what I want. And what I have found out over the last many, many years is like, man, I could do a lot of stuff, and I don't have anywhere near a million dollars, and I could still do a lot of stuff. So when people use this tool, do you find that the number that they have in their head before they use this tool, like, does it usual, is it usually lower, or is it usually a bit higher? It, people always assume it's so much more. It's so much bigger. And, and that's because we've not been taught this stuff. We don't know. You know, it's like he was saying, he went from 200,000 a year to 23,000 a year and was more happy and more free with 23,000 versus a 200,000. And so the shifting, the combining, the stuff that I teach and the way you all teach people to live, I mean, imagine what the world can look like. If we get more people plugged into doing what they want to do, right, and not chasing down money or chasing down debt, but we start to chase down our, 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 our reality of what we want, yeah. right, why we're put here on this planet, I think we can have a happier world. I think, I think if, you do a, if you do a good enough job helping people solve problems, you'll stop worrying about money as well. Because ultimately, that's what, that's what good businesses do. By the way, that's what, uh, I mean, we, we often joke about advertisement. Advertisements suck. Well, most marketing sucks too. But marketing, when marketing is done correctly, it means, here, let me help you with something, right? It's helping people solve problems. And I think some advertisements out there, very few, but there are some, even some advertisements that, that present a product or a service that helps solve a problem for people. The, 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 the problem with advertising now is we see 5,000 advertisements a day and you know, 4,500 of them are, are such manipulative nonsense that it makes it difficult for the other 500 um, and to, that really break through and that are inspirational, that, that change people. And Ryan and I don't personally do advertisements on, on what we do, but it doesn't mean that there aren't some that will actually help some people solve problems. So, I guess what I'm saying here is that no matter what you do, if it's business or just as an individual, if you find a way to continuously help people solve their problems, um, you're not trying to make money, but it, it, it will happen. Yeah. I think we have one more. All right. Look at this. Howdy, what's your name? Where are you from? I'm James. I'm from Kentucky. Um, so is Chris. Good. <laughs> Like, we may be related. Maybe. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. I don't know. I'm from Mercer County. <laughs> um, so you were talking about people who live like fake rich. So you have someone has a lot of like, you know, designer clothes, furniture, uh, small appliances. When you're trying to convert to minimalism, what's the best advice you have for liquidating those smaller assets? I, I can tell you what I did. So, so, and this is because I had debt. I'd probably do it differently if I would have been out, completely out of debt at the time. Um, I, I wouldn't have been as meticulous. But anything that was more than $20, I quickly became good friends with eBay. And, uh, and just started selling stuff there and Craigslist, did a yard sale, tried to get rid of a whole bunch of stuff. I know Ryan did mystery boxes <laughs> when he did a yard sale. I mean, he was just tired of dealing with the stuff, so he just like put a box out there, and it was like, everything in this box, I don't know what's in here, $10. Well, <laughs> well I was like setting up the garage, and I had these boxes, I didn't quite know what was in them. So I started to open them up to like pull stuff out and put them on the table, and I'm like, I'm not even gonna open these. I'm just gonna put a question mark on them and start putting dollar amounts on them. 
This one dude paid like 20 bucks for a box of like, it was like a half a box of rice in there and like some pasta, can of tomato soup, like all the stuff from my kitchen cupboard. And he was genuinely excited. I'm going to go home and make spaghetti tonight. <laughs> you know, I think, I think when it comes to, to letting go, the, the important part is the untethering from the emotions that we feel, the sort of sentimentality. And part of that sentimentality strangely gets gets caught up in this idea of uh, sunk costs, right? And so we, we, you know, we owned a, a BlackBerry from 2004, and at the time it was a $500 device, and now it's, uh, I mean, it's a really expensive paperweight. It's not actually worth $500. It's not worth $5 probably. And so it's not worth what we necessarily paid for the thing. It's worth what someone's willing to pay for. And so the sooner you part with a, a lot of those things, there's a part in, Chris, in your book where you talk about sometimes we, we are making all of these uh, um, decisions. Um, we buy a cup of coffee, $5 here on a credit card. We do something here that we're going to end up paying off for two years and we consumed it in, in two minutes. And I think the same is true with a lot of the things that we have in our house now. Like, we thought it was an aspirational purchase. Like, I thought this would add value to my life, but it's just been sitting there for three years. I'm no longer getting value from it. Maybe someone else can. Be willing to let go of it, and if you can make a little bit of money along the way, that's great. Yeah, it, and I'll tell you, like, once you start getting rid of that stuff, it feels so good, especially when you use it to attack the debt that you have. I mean, when I traded in my nice luxury car for that 2004 Toyota Corolla with, with no debt, um, it was it was not nearly as nice of a car. Which, by the way, I still have that car. Uh, I, 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 I because I refuse to go into debt with a car. I've been saving up to buy a new car. So what I, I got about eleven thousand bucks right now set aside to buy a new car. And let me tell you, man, when you got eleven thousand dollars sitting in the bank, to drop that on a new car, it hurts. So like I have, I have decided, Mariah and I, we have decided that we're going to like run that car until it is dead. And when I do, I probably won't even spend 11000 bucks on a new car. Because again, when you pay cash for stuff, it, it's a totally different experience. Well, and you sacrifice to be able to get it. And, and that's what I love, the awakening that happens. You know, for those of you that are out there, if you've got debt, I won't, don't want you to hear any condemnation. I'm saying I want to encourage you to start to attack that. Look at that and start to identify the dollar amounts that you're paying out each month and imagine what life would feel like if that got to stay with you. What more could you do? But you're right. You save up that dollar amount. You see money different. And that was the eye-opening moment for me. I knew working to make more wasn't the answer. I was going to continue to do more of what I'd always done. I needed a plan. I needed a step-by-step -step process to really change my thinking. And it's almost like when you turn a light bulb on in a dark room, you see, and that's me now. It's like having a car payment, I'm never gonna have another car payment. Like I had one and it was almost 700 a month, right, on this big SUV that I got when we had our first child, right, because I figured you couldn't bring a baby home in a coupe, right? <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous, you know, and it, the SUV would seat like 10. Right, it was big, and then after my third child, I realized the Lord might be saying, I'm gonna give you enough kids to fill it up, right? <laughs> I sold that bad boy and bought a smart car, right? Yeah, I was in there like this, I couldn't breathe, right? But it's one of those things, you change your paradigm, you see things different, and I think if we can help more people wake up, 
you see it and you go, you know what, I'm not going backwards. I've worked too hard, I've got too many people counting on me, I'm gonna go forward. Yeah, and, and man, I, I can't speak enough to those things in our lives that we feel like we have to have. It's like these rules that we set for ourselves, like when I was in the corporate world, like, well, I had to have a nice car, like I was hanging out with a bunch of C-level executives and very important people in the community, and, and I wouldn't be caught dead in a 2004 Toyota Corolla. Well, it wasn't until I felt so much pain that I was willing to make some compromises. And I'll tell you, like, there were certain times when I pulled up in that car and, and people were like, oh, what, what's this? Oh, this is my new car. That's not new. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's new to me, but I don't have a car payment on this. And literally, one, one of the people I hung out with, they're like, mm, I don't like it. And all I could think was is, I don't like you. <laughs> Minimalists. <laughs>